You're listening to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast, episode number 88. This episode is sponsored by Eric Sue Insider, an online community where you get advice and tips from Eric Sue on weekly conference calls. Learn more at ericwsue.com slash insider and how you can get started. Hey there, it's Eric Sue, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening to my podcast. If you are new, welcome. And if you are a longtime listener, I appreciate your continued support. Did you know your review on iTunes and Stitcher helps grow this podcast? Well, it does. So write a review today. Not into writing a review? Then maybe you would like to make a small donation. You can do so by clicking the Be My Patron Podbean link on my podcast page. Finally, helping others is the name of the game. So help a friend by sharing this podcast with them. Let's keep this movement growing. Now on to the show. Health tips and useful wellness advice without the hype. Welcome to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast with inspiring guests and engaging fitness, nutrition, and the healthy living topics. You will be entertained and excited until the end. And now your host, Eric Sue. Hey guys, Eric Sue here. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Living with Eric Sue. We have a fun and knowledgeable registered dietitian with us today. Her name is Diane Bubeck. If you remember her, she was episode number 78. We had to bring her back for another episode. Today we'll be talking about the exchange list and how to eat for a healthy lifestyle. So without any delay, let me introduce you to Diane. Diane, are you ready to make it happen? I am ready, Eric. Awesome. You know, since our last podcast, I had a chance to visit you, and you had showed me some great information, and it was called the exchange list. Diane, we're just going to dive right into it. Can you share with our audience a little bit about that and why you use it? Sure, sure, Eric. I'd love to. Um, I was really happy, too, that you were able to stop by to my office and actually see my props and how I work because I think it made a little bit more sense after you did. Um, what I do with clients when they come in is I, I take a very detailed history. I want to know about their lifestyle and their their eating habits and what they're presently doing. But I almost always go back to using the exchange list, which is a very old system. Um, it's the it's basically the diabetic exchange list for those of your listeners that are familiar with it. Uh, it hasn't changed in the 30 years I've been using it, uh, and it's just very basic. And what I like about it is it gives freedom to the client to make up their own way of eating, so to speak. It's not a tear off like some people will get at the doctor's office mm-hmm. that says half half a grapefruit, a piece of toast. Uh, and one egg for breakfast every day. It it basically groups all foods into six different food groups, starches, milk, fruits, vegetables, uh, fats, and meat. And within each group, everything, everything within the group based on the serving sizes has the same amount of calories, protein, carb, etc. So, for instance, in the starch group, a half a cup of corn, and yes, corn is considered a starch, not a vegetable like many people Um, usually think of it. Mm -hmm. So a half cup of corn and one slice of bread are equivalent, which means if I work up a food plan for somebody and it's got two grains at dinner, they could choose anything but sticking within the serving size for that food and it would be equivalent in calories. So I don't do a lot of calorie counting, but in essence when this food plan is made up, there is a specific amount of calories that they 
will be consuming. But rather than focus on calories, the idea is to use the exchanges to divide up the food choices within each meal and snack so that the body is getting the fuel that it requires. Real quick here, uh, Diane, you had showed me the actual list, and this is a list people can get somewhere. Is that true? Oh, sure. They could just Google uh, diabetic exchange list, and they can certainly access the list. Okay, very good. And and so you had mentioned about this portion sizes and stuff like that that's a part of this list. Can you go into that and why that's important? Sure, because let's say on the food plan that um, I develop with a client, I want them to have two servings from the grain group at breakfast. Uh, they can then go to the grain group, and there'll be maybe 40, 50 different foods, and the serving size that would be equivalent to one exchange is next to it. And by keeping to that, they are keeping within a certain calorie range. It's, um, I often uh, explain it with the analogy of money. If I asked you, Eric, for a dollar, there's probably five or six different ways you could give it to me. Paper, nickels, dimes, quarters. It's the same with the exchanges. If I say to you, Eric, I'd like you to have two, two grains or two servings from the starch group at breakfast, you could either have a double bowl of cereal or you could have a small bowl of cereal and a piece of toast. The freedom of it is what I like, and so do clients, that they can, they can develop their own way of eating. They don't have to follow a diet, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and so this exchange list can be found, A, and, and B, it, it really details the serving sizes so that people can stay on track um, and not overeat, which is the other side of it, which is portion control. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, sure, but let's go back to, to basics on the portion control. Many times when someone comes in to see me, they are fueling their body so inefficiently, it is creating many of the problems they have. For instance, uh, I had a gentleman in this week, and when I took his food recall, he had a banana maybe if he had time in the morning, and then he didn't eat again till 2 or 3 o'clock. And his complaint was that he was eating way too many sweets and huge portions. And it made perfect sense because he had not fueled his body since really the night before. Mm. So the idea is if you balance the body and you give it the fuel that it needs, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, in the right balance, in the right amounts, then the body will be able to work for three to four hours before getting hungry And if it can do that, it's not going to be gasping for air and grabbing candy bars and anything Mm. not nailed down. And so really the balance what's that? I was going to say, so for instance, this gentleman, I expect when I see him in a week or two, he's going to come back and he's like, oh my goodness, you know, I feel wonderful. I'm not tired. I'm thinking clearer. You know, I'm not going for the sweets like I used to. Mm. And that's what I call physiological straightening out of of their blood sugars. There's still the emotional piece that often can happen. So he may come back and say, I was so stressed, I followed the food plan and I'm feeling better, but I'm still reaching for the sugar. Mm-hmm. That's not because he didn't feel properly. Now there's that emotional reason or the stress that's driving the choices that he's making. You know, it's interesting. Um, oh. Real quick here, I had this question that popped up in my head, which was, you know, how do we get people get this portion distortion, you know, idea in their head and overeat where does that come from do you know 
comes from a lot of places. Uh, we are the land of plenty. We have, mm-hmm. you know, supersized everything. Uh, we go to restaurants in this country, and I never leave a restaurant without a doggy bag for with at least another portion or two. Um, if you if you're in Europe, for instance, though, it, it's um, offensive to a restaurant if you ask for a doggy bag. It means that you didn't like their food because they just give you a portion of food. So. Some of it's our society. Some of it's how people, the family that they were raised in. Um, if parents are modeling overeating and eating way more than you need, children pick up those messages, and then it becomes, unfortunately, sometimes a lifelong habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so people really are very surprised sometimes when we sit down and we, I pull out all these plastic food models, and I actually show them what a half a cup of potatoes looks like. You know, and part of the problem for people is that a half a cup of potatoes really could be enough if they have half of their plate full of color of fruits and vegetables. But most people really shy away or omit those food groups, and they basically only have on their plate meat and starch. Mm. So the portions tend to grow on those when you don't have enough fiber and the fruits and vegetables that we need. You know, uh, this may be a silly question, Diane, and this may be really off topic, but People don't get full sometimes when they eat, and which is causing, I think, people to, quote-unquote, overeat, I guess. Can you speak upon that for a second? The other words, words, not feeling full. I I know people get that. Mm -hmm. Well, most people don't realize that it takes at least 30 minutes for the epistat, which is like the thermostat that's at the base of our brain, to click off. It's kind of like when you turn on the heat in the house. Sometimes it takes a few minutes for the furnace to actually kick on. Well, it takes our body about 30 minutes to start digesting the food and get the signal back to the brain that we've had enough. So more times than not, the problem really isn't that they're still hungry. It's that they haven't waited long enough. They either eat too fast or they're just used to overeating. So I have people actually portion their meal out set the timer for 30 minutes when they get done. And I tell them, if you can honestly say you're still hungry after that 30 minutes, then you need more food. But So they don't have to necessarily eat, uh, eat their food slower, but they do have to wait 30 minutes hmm. because you can eat a lot more food if you're eating very quickly and you're not giving the body time to get the signal back to the brain. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so basically you said... Let's wait 30 minutes after you finish your correct portion to see if you still are hungry. That's exactly. That's exactly the way to do it. And for my clients who are trying to lose weight, I often encourage them to either have a salad, cup of soup, broth-based soup, or you know, 8 to 16 ounces of water before a meal mm-hmm. so that that slows them down too for that fullness. Mm-hmm. Um. Great, great suggestion and tip, I think, for many of our quote-unquote overeaters, right? Um, And then just real quick here, you said you have these uh, food models, right? Um, Is there something out there equivalent to that that people can look up or try to figure out how much Mm, is half a serving? I would hate to see them buy food models because they're quite expensive. But what they could do, you know, for instance, a three-ounce portion of meat basically is like the size of a deck of cards. Um, If they just take their measuring cups, which I'm sure everybody has in their kitchen, 
and the next time they're eating pasta or potatoes, measure out a half a cup. Put it on a blank plate. Take a look at it. See what that looks like. Uh, they can do so many of these things just in the comfort of their own home without going to cost, big costs or work to try to figure it out. Very good. Excellent. So, Diane, can you share with us a little bit more also about the food labels and the issues with that? Oh, just one, one point since we're talking about serving sizes for um, your listening audience to make note of is that the serving sizes on labels are not uniform, which means Campbell's may say that, you know, half of their can is a serving that has no equivalent to the exchange list that we're talking about. For instance, um, Klein came in and he said, I have my favorite cereal I love. I have a bowl of it every day. And I said, well, how much is in the bowl? And he said, well, on the back of the label, it says one cup. So he pulled up the nutritional information. It was four. It would have been equivalent to four starch exchanges. Mm-hmm. But in his mind, in most consumers' mind, is if a company says that's a serving, that's how much they're supposed to have. And it really doesn't equate with how many exchanges it is. So you can get really uh, in trouble. Someone could get really in trouble with not understanding the label. Is that what you're saying? I am, and I I get so uh, frustrated with the whole labeling system. They revamped it maybe 10, 12 years ago, and they put a lot of money and research into it. But I think it's way more confusing than it ever was before. So label reading is something that um, you know I go often over with clients Mm -hmm. just to clarify and let them understand how to read a label and to not get um, hoodwinked into yeah. you know, eating way more than they need just because the company says that's the serving. Would you be able to quickly overview just a few points of the label for our audience to know what to look for or no? Oh, Eric, honestly, that would probably be a whole other podcast. Oh, okay. It gets pretty detailed. That's why I'm saying where it's confusing. Hmm. It's confusing sometimes to myself, and I, you know, I should be able to read a label pretty easily but you you really have to read it and and look for the nuances and and what they're actually saying sure no problem i totally understand so we'll make a note of that possibly do another one just on a food label so that'd be fun um going into some other uh areas here the foundational idea of healthy eating can you go into that a little bit well i think the basic uh that we've been talking about is Balance, having three meals plus two or three snacks a day every three to four hours. Uh, It seems so simple, and yet sometimes we miss the simple things that make the big difference. So um, I find a lot of people don't get up and have breakfast, even though that's what break the fast Mm -hmm. means. Mm -hmm. They go to sleep, and they get up, and they just start their day, and they start chugging coffee. So that first meal of the day really, truly is the most important meal of the day because your body hasn't had any energy or fuel to work with while you sleep. And I like to make sure that people get in at least 15 to 20 grams of protein at breakfast, which is sometimes there's no protein in people's breakfasts. Uh, and they can get that in in whatever way they like, anywhere from you know eggs, cheese, nut butters, um, leftover pizza. Sometimes I'll eat you know chicken from the night before. So you know it doesn't have to be the traditional eggs and bacon breakfast by any means. Um, and they need to have carbohydrates, proteins, and fat at every meal, so that their the carbohydrates burn very quickly. You only get about an hour 
of fuel time out of that. Protein will stretch that to about two hours, and we have to have a source of daily protein because our body cannot manufacture protein. If your diet is deficient or devoid of protein, what the body actually does is cannibalize tissue, breaking it down to get the amino acids, which are the building blocks to build new hair tissue or eye tissue or whatever is on the body's agenda for the day. And then we need a source of good, healthy fat because that's like the log in the fire. We get about four hours of fuel time from a good fat in a meal or snack. Can you help us understand good fats versus bad fats, speaking of fats for a second? Because it seems like when I talk to my clients, they always have an issues with that. There, there's been a lot of misinformation over the years, and we, we tend to um, go in spurts. There was a time when low-fat, no-fat was the rage. But what we find is that because our, our brain is 70% fat and other organs in the body need fat, that having a healthy amount of fat in the diet, 25-30% of the calories, coming from good fats is essential. Um, good fats would be um, all your nuts and seeds and plant fats, but it can also be coconut oil and eggs and cheese in moderation because these are whole foods. These are foods that are God-made eggs, and so many people will come in and they're eating just egg whites. <laughs> they're eating all these um, no-cholesterol eggs. And, you know, getting back to basics is, is really important. We've gotten very far away from that in our culture. So another thing, Eric, about good healthy fats, um, butter. People are so skittish around butter, and yet it's natural. It, it's not two molecules away from plastic like margarine is. And so, you know, I work with clients about having butter in their diet, not lots of it, not frying in butter, but just having a little butter on their vegetables or bread so that it tastes good and it's a good healthy fat. Olive oil. Um, I steer clients away from as many packaged products that use partially hydrogenated fats in them that are, again, chemically altered and not good for our bodies. So, again, the, the main thing there is getting back to real food. Right, right. And and so the biggest thing I think I, I also hear from my clients is that they're just afraid that the fat will turn to fat and it makes them fat. And, and you're saying that all these good fats won't do that? Well, again, everything in moderation. And calorically, you need to have enough energy to fuel your body, but not excess energy that gets stored as fat. But unfortunately for the nutrient fat, it has a bad name because there's many meanings to its name, uh, but our body definitely needs to have good healthy fats um, in the diet. Otherwise, especially for women, uh, many negative side effects happen. Uh, in my work with eating disorders, which I won't go into, but you know, many of these girls and women and men included will take all the fat out of their diet. Well, what starts to happen is the hair and the skin gets very dry, menstrual cycles shut off because we have to have enough dietary fat to keep the hormones mm -hmm. circulating. So, yes, our body has to have fat. Uh, and the idea, the trick, I guess, is learning how much is the right amount of fat. Mm -hmm. And that's where a registered dietitian can come in handy for clients because, you know, the exchange lists and serving sizes surely are online, but putting it all together into a workable formula is usually what my clients need help with. Very good, excellent. I, I think it's always good to hear 
um, that good fats are good <laughs> and we need them. And, um, you know, what, what do you, as far as the bad fats, what would you say would be a good tip to stay away from? How, how do people stay away from those? Well, be, being aware of what the bad fats are. Um, and again, because of my work with eating disorders, my philosophy has really evolved over the years. Um, I, I now truly believe all things in moderation. I don't think you have to, have to totally avoid red meat or ice cream or things like that, but those are not required by the body. So depending on what your health is, um, some of those things would be used in small amounts in moderation. But basically the worst fats, I believe, are the fats that are altered chemically mm. uh, and put in our snack products and cookies and things like that. It would be much better for somebody to make things from scratch. Uh, and that's what I see in so many of these bakeries now that are gaining popularity is they're doing what most people don't have time to do is to cook from scratch again. Mm. So if you, can't, if you can't do it yourself, then find a place that you can pick up products that aren't processed. Yeah, and actually that's, that's a good uh, point. I want to also... Um, ask you about which is uh, I've noticed and maybe a lot of my audience has noticed all these companies now going into uh, fresh ingredients or non-GMO ingredients um, and all these um, less processed foods is, is that what you're seeing as the trend now? I do I think um, our consumers are very savvy because of the internet and because people are starting to really take an interest in their health and it's a wonderful thing to see because I, I do think the body, when it's fueled well, is healthy. It, it doesn't need medications and drugs. And so much of our disease could, diseases could be eliminated or prevented if people ate in a healthy way to fuel their body. Right, and I think it's called eating uh, a natural state foods. I think I don't know if that's a, the term, but um, uh, less processed, more natural. I think that's really the, the, I see the trend. Is that what you see too? I do, I do, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, so real quick here, um, we're getting almost to the end of this episode, and, and we can definitely dive into the label thing in a future episode. Um, one thing I, I do want to touch on is the carb issue, and if you can touch on that a little bit, and, and you probably might even say the balance thing again, but do we have to be concerned about that? Because a lot of times people are said that they can't eat breads or they can't eat pastas and stuff. Uh, what, what's your opinion about that? Well, Eric, um, I'm just curious. Who said they can't eat carbs? Well, just people say that carbs make them fat or overweight or... Well, again, again, I think what happens is, is we're a society of excess. So, you know, people um, don't want to be limited to having a piece of warm, fresh, wonderful bread. They want to eat half the loaf. The half, half of the loaf will cause weight gain if they just have their carbs in the right proportions, they don't have to avoid carbs, and carbs are as necessary as fats. Carbs give our brain energy. 40 to 50% of our caloric intake should be from complex carbs. People get very irritable when they don't have any carbs in their diet. Lower carb for somebody that may be trying to lose weight or is pre-diabetic or diabetic, that's not a bad thing. But for the general population, we need a good amount of carbs in the diet. But people will 
because of previous dieting, when you cut carbs, you excrete water because carbohydrates, they're like a sponge. They, they hold some fluid in the body. So much of the weight loss that people see or think they see when they cut carbs is really water loss. Mm, interesting. So eat, eat in moderation uh, of these carbs, breads, and so forth, and not be afraid of gaining weight. Is that really what you're saying? That's what I'm saying, everything in moderation. And what I've seen over the years, too, is I call it deprivation rebound when clients will omit a food group like all carbs. Well, sure, they'll lose weight because they're diuresing their bodies. But then what happens is they crave the carbs so badly after a couple weeks or a month, as long as they can tolerate it, they go back and then they eat the whole loaf of bread or the whole pan of brownies. That's so, so restricting one food group usually boomerangs. Mm, 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 mm. Um, what's your suggestion for getting someone back onto a healthy, balanced eating plan? Um, Eric, could you be more specific? What, what do people have to do if they if someone's on a, a specific eating plan now, maybe a quote unquote diet, um, and and they just want to eat normal and healthy and balanced? Um, what would you suggest they wait? What ways would they do that to make that happen? Well, they need to, like I said, they need to um, plan to eat several times, three, four, five, six times a day, um, and to have balance at all their meals, and have lots of color. I have a plate in my office that I use as a prop, but it's got a piece of blue masking tape down the center. One quarter should be your protein portion. One quarter should be your starch or grain portion or carbohydrates. And the other half of the plate should be color, fruits and vegetables. So that would be a great start for people, I think. Yeah, because I was going to say that uh, I think, I don't know, maybe the people I speak with are, are different than the people that you speak with. But uh, in general, people are just wanting just to have a normal eating lifestyle and, and not have to worry about certain things anymore or restricting certain things anymore. They just want to have a balanced eating plan. And, and I think that's where I was going with that question. Oh, okay. So, so just to kind of sum up then, besides eating regularly and having foods from all the different food groups, uh, the idea would be to stay away from as much processed, boxed, canned food as possible and to have variety. I, I can't stress that enough because I do food sensitivity work. And what I find is for people that get on food jags, like the only meat they eat is chicken, over time their body can develop a sensitivity to that. So to have lots of different proteins and, and you know, sample from all the different fruits and vegetables. So, they're, so you don't get bored, but also so that you don't set your body up for problems late down the road. Mm, excellent, excellent. I think that's a great suggestion. Um, we're almost at the end, and I just wanted to make sure that we um, got your contact information in this episode. So how do people get a hold of you, Diane? Well, they can call the office number at 630-369-5645. That's probably the easiest way. Or they could go to my website if they want to know more about the work that I do, and that's www.bubeckandassociates.com. B-U-B-E-C-K-A-N-D, and then the word associate spelled out, dot com. Very good. Um, did you say you were on Facebook? I do have a Facebook page. It's Diane Bubeck and Associates. Excellent. And they're welcome to go. And uh, I usually post several times a week different interesting articles. And I'm actually going to be starting to blog if I can figure out how to do that. 
we'll get there we'll we'll, we'll get you there soon um this was a really informative episode and we may have to bring you back uh, a third time to talk about that label thing because i know that you have a lot to say about that um this was very fun and i really appreciate it diane um we'll talk to you soon i guess okay you take care eric all right bye-bye bye now Hey, it's Eric Sue again. Before I close the show, I'm excited to announce an upcoming three-part series with Dr. Andrew Hopkins about fitness, nutrition, and living a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Andrew was on episode number 30 if you missed his first show with me. This three-part series will be released in early March, so look out for it. Now to the close. Thank you so much for joining us today on Healthy Living with Eric Sue. Head over to ericwsue.com for full recaps of every show and Eric's health and wellness blog. Your healthy living is waiting for you, so stay active and be safe.